Hi, Office 365 fam. Welcome to the Stories of Modern Work podcast, where we discuss thoughts and experiences of Office 365 users, IT pros, and community leaders in using Office 365 as a modern workplace toolset. My name is Jack Kakkalapuri. I'm a senior solution architect and a daily Office 365 blogger. You can check out my website at modernwork.cloud. Join me on LinkedIn to check out my daily Office 365 videos where I share my thoughts and experiences. Today, we have with us Mr. Joel Olson, a senior IT manager at Blizzard Entertainment as a guest to share his experiences and thoughts on deploying Office 365 as a modern work tool. Joel is a long-time community leader in the SharePoint space and have been following Joel's work since 2006. and I have to say it helped me a lot in in learning about SharePoint on premises since uh since the days of Moss. This is a must listen episode for anyone who is interested in Office 365 especially if you're an admin and wanted to get some insights into how to deploy Office 365 within your within your environment. It's a, it's a must listen, okay? So, before we begin the episode, I would like to say thanks to all of you who have listened and subscribed to the stories of modern work podcast the main aim for this podcast is to give you an insight into how others use office 365 as a modern work platform so if you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet i highly recommend you to subscribe and leave your feedback and rating to help me improve the podcast in the coming episodes all right let's get into the episode All right, Joel. Uh, thanks for coming on the show. Before we kick off, uh, you know, tell us a bit more about yourself, what you do, how you use Office 365, and so on. And let's kick kick this off. Sure, sure. So I'm I'm a senior IT manager at Blizzard Entertainment. I'm an MVP and a regional director at, for Microsoft um, and that that community program. And uh, I've been working with SharePoint since the beginning. Um, in fact uh even with say office 365 if people think back to the beginning of office 365 where did it start well it started especially when you talk about the sharepoint world started in an office in microsoft where we were talking about do we think we could you know customers kept saying how we wish we knew what you knew in fact we wish we could just have you host it for us And so in IT we started working on this idea of well what if we did what if instead of just hosting Microsoft's data what if we started hosting customers data um since we're so close to the product teams and we you know do it at high scale we could potentially write it you know build it in such a way that we could actually host customer data so I worked with that first customer energizer way way back in the day um we used to call it managed solutions where it was uh BPOSD was the dedicated service and uh, I was the architect for that first service um building it up for for Energizer and uh we would then later scale it on to host many other customers and out of that would grow the shared service BPOSS which would become all Office 365 so been working on this stuff since the beginning <laughs> Yeah, yeah, definitely from the beginning. I I got involved with that before as well. Before before, and I've been doing a lot of uh, on-premises work. Um 
I was involved with SharePoint in the portal services. I've done a few migrations from 2003 to Moz. And, you know, the real SharePoint work for me really picked off from, from the days of Moz, you know, when it was like uh, hot in the market and, and everybody wants to have their SharePoint sites built up and, and, and so on. And I'm, I'm seeing the same exact thing happen with Office 365 now as well. Yeah. So were, yeah. You, were and, you involved? And even, yeah, and even, even SharePoint, when it started, it started as product team working on stuff and it was under somebody's desk and we moved that into the data center and so, yeah it's it's it it went from being something we put into our own data centers to then hosting and hosting for customers and here we are yeah so when you, when you were back at microsoft uh Joel, did, were you involved with uh, the portal services and the uh, tahoma i think it's called project yeah, tahoma Ta at the start yeah Ta tahoe yeah tahoe, tahoe and off Tahoe was the portal server before it was 2000, before SharePoint 2001, and it was Office Web Server before it was, uh, um, before WSS and SharePoint Team mm. Services and all that. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I've, I've I've been involved with it since the beginning. And it's amazing to see how how much it's it's improved leaps and bounds since the day uh, since then. You know, it's a simple. You know, when you look at uh, from a uh, you know uh, from far away, it, it's a very simple idea. It's it's all about you know a, a, a accessible site to host your information, your host your documents and things like that. Then you know everything picked up uh, <laughs> since then, and now you see. In a complex applications, business composite applications and websites and 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 so many other things built on Office as SharePoint and and I think SharePoint in a way is a sort of like a genesis for BPOS and 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 uh, and Office 365 as a whole. As uh, am I right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um... Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, I'm only very much excited about what's going to come in the future, <laughs> five, six years down the track. Oh, how is it going to be? Yeah, and, and I think that uh, the, the pace at which we get new features and how things kind of roll out, we're, it, it, we we just got to get used to the rapid pace of change where, um, yeah. you know, they, they talk about stuff every May and then at Ignite in, in the fall. Um, so we, we get kind of a spring and fall um, set of announcements where before it used to be every three years we'd find out what's coming and then you kind of track those things now it's twice a year we're getting tons of different features and they kind of come at you uh shotgun approach you know yeah boom boom and, and, boom and and twice twice a year thing are you is it is it for on-premises or is it are you talking about uh office 365 with office 365 but i think with, with on-prem yeah you get you get a little bit of a more of a breather for sure mm. But I think that uh, they're going to find a way, they've got to find a way to to give us more of those feature pack updates. Yeah, yeah. Even with Office 365, the change management, uh, as, uh, you know, in the previous episode, I was talking about, uh, you know, how the change management, you know, impacts, uh, especially the new updates that are coming out of Office for Office 365, you know, impacts a, a you know, your SharePoint administrator or your Office 365 administrator, it's so hard to keep track of all these changes that are happening in the system. And yeah. and, and also to make sure that your change management is, is you know, keeping in pace with the with the changes that are coming down the pipeline. Well, I, I have a good example of that too. Like a lot of uh, people have been tracking uh, Microsoft Search. And yeah. here's something that's, it's a it's a bunch of features spread over a bunch of different products. And you, right now, you can't even go to, 
office365.roadmap or the roadmap.office365.com and uh, you you try and see what's in that road roadmap and uh it's uh it's not all in one bucket you know it's the yeah. features are kind of spread out and even then not all of them are there so when things do get released your ability to track it is it's 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 challenging i mean even if let's say you're just you're simply the exchange guy and you're trying to track what's what's going on you even then you have to be fairly plugged in to know what's going to hit you in in outlook and what's going to hit you in the browser and what's going to hit mm. you on the desktop and um and which ring are you in you know yes, so that you're yeah. you're able to find those things and test those out before they affect your users yeah Office 65 roadmap has been my pet peeve. Uh, we sp I spoke about this in my previous episode with uh, Nate Chamberlain as well. Uh, you know, not everything is on Office 365. Not every update that they're, they're talking about is is not on the Office 65 roadmap. You know, a few yep. things are spread across the message center and, you know, roadmap. Yeah, it is very high level. Then even with the message center stuff, you don't know whether it's actually, you know, hit is available on your tenant or not. It's general statement around uh, it's coming in june it's coming in july or you know we're working on this you know and things like that but it doesn't actually tell you that oh this particular feature is available let's say microsoft search or bing for business is available in your tenant it doesn't right, tell you that right yeah yeah they, they're they're <laughs> kind of like in fact there was even somebody saying hey when is the cross org sync feature going to come and uh in the comments under you know three levels down, you're looking at uh, some user voice comment mm. and mm. someone says, oh, well, we released it in December. And so that means, okay, so it might've gone to the inner ring um, at Microsoft in December. So that they yeah. kind of feel like they're done. They've shipped it. Well, yeah. it's got to go to the next few rings. So when are we actually going to see it? They're saying, yeah. well, maybe February, March. Um, yeah. And so even that idea of February, March, it's like, well, how do you plan February, March? <laughs> you know, it's like so spread out and which, when is your tenant going to see it? Nobody can tell you. No, nah, no. Nah. There should be an easy way uh, of, of notifying the admins, the global admin or whoever it is that, you know, uh, this week, you know, the, the feature X, Y, and Z has, has been updated. You know, it's a sort of like a notification within the uh, But I think part panels. of it is like, yeah, yeah there's, so there's the message center stuff, but when how do you subscribe to, I want to know this feature at this time, yeah. you know, like, yeah. or tell me today when it's going to come and nobody can, nobody can tell you. It's, it's still a little yeah. bit squishy for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking of, I'm thinking the, the, uh, the, the complexity there is probably, you know, the scale. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And and you did mention the inner, inner ring and the outer ring. Can you just explain that uh, for the listeners? Because there's also inner loop and outer loop. <laughs> So, yeah, yeah. So basically, it's it's more like um, the, the the targeted release program where you're you're kind of deciding um, your organizational profile and uh, which which targeted release you are. Um, so that there's uh, they, they they kind of show it in rings in their in their um, yeah uh, in the in the, the the their slides where it'll be like that's right. The first thing they do is it's it's with Office, so like the Office team has it, and then they release it to Microsoft IT's um, set of tenants, where it's it's hitting Microsoft, and then they they then give feedback, and then they can provide updates and so on, and then it goes to the early release, 
and then from early release then you get out the, the, the more targeted releases and is it monthly or is it you know the every six month thing depending on if you're talking about office client or with the tenants then it's basically you're either on early release or you're not you know yeah so it's so from a user's perspective from an end user perspective um for let's say uh, there's two ways of uh, of selecting which release you want to be in the the targeted release or the first uh, or the the general standard, standard right the standard worldwide release, yeah. standard release yeah which is so, ring four i'm looking at a diagram now so you've got ring zero which is the feature teams ring one is the officer 65 team and then ring two is microsoft so that would be kind of microsoft it and then you've got release a ring three which is targeted release and then ring four uh, which is that standard worldwide release? Yeah. So even when you select, uh, when when you select as as part of when you say you you say I want to be on a targeted release, it's essentially ring three. Did you say? Yeah. So that yeah. that ring three is basically the first opportunity that people in the outside world have of getting access to it. Yeah. It's the early yeah. release is the other kind of word for it. Or beta testing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, uh, it's like yeah. well, it's, it's 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 essentially released to the public, but it's if you want to get it as soon as it it can be, then you're 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 hitting targeted release. Yeah, yeah. Even um, with the form, formerly release, known as first first release, apparently. Exactly. So even with the targeted release, it doesn't it doesn't uh, it doesn't it doesn't mean that you everyone who's on the targeted release will start seeing that feature on like you know. When when it hit the targeted release, I think there'll be a staggered targeted release mm -hmm. of of features as well. Uh, am I right in that? Yeah, in fact, there's even a note here that even says it can take up to 24 hours um, for changes to take effect if you opt out of targeted release. So even if you change your tenant, it can take 24 hours to switch it. Mm. Um, but even when they're rolling it out, if you're part of that targeted release. It takes a while for it to go across that, um, yeah, even yeah. the targeted release um, yeah. tenants, and because it's a lot of systems. Yeah, a lot of systems, and also it's it's spread across the globe as well. And there's so many data mm -hmm. centers that uh, they, they, these features have to be pushed out to. Yep. Cool, man. Uh, that's that's a good explanation about uh, targeted release versus the the standard release. And from a production point of view, uh, from a from a business. Uh, would you recommend to be on targeted release or would you say no, stick with standard? No, no, I would say standard is, is, a, is a good place for the customer production environments to be in. It does make sense if you're a larger environment or if you have a lot of changes or anything kind of customizations. It makes sense to have something um, in targeted release so you can see those and do testing and validation. So most people should have their test environments or their dev environments in targeted release. Yeah. So that they can actually see any kind of thing that might, Microsoft might roll out, that it, you can find it before it, it hits everybody else. So you have some yeah. period of time before it hits. Yeah, that's that's excellent. All right. Uh, so let, let's let's get into the the actual discussions point around uh, around modern work. So according to you, uh, what is modern work? Well. The word modern gets used a lot, um, and potentially it's a buzzword <laughs> yeah, it as well as overused. <laughs> but um, when you talk about modern, it's it's often we use the word future, we use the word modern. Um, 
I almost kind of think about it as just kind of how we we talk about it in design in the design world or architect architecture world where there's like modern architecture is like oh it's the it's the new stuff but but then they had to come up with ultra modern you know so I I keep waiting for in our design stuff for people to start talking about the ultra modern because <laughs> it's like we it's easy to say that the old stuff's classic and the new stuff is modern but what happens when modern is no longer the new stuff. <laughs> yeah, but modern is always going to be modern anyway. <laughs> it's like you modern, think so? Like it's, you don't it's, think it's they'll have fresh. an ultra modern? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, well, well, right today is modern. We're working on modern, so what's modern work? Well, I think when you talk about modern work, they're not specifically tying you into, say, in, in the SharePoint world, we have these ideas of the modern UI, um, so the modern interface. So it's. It's really kind of talking about um, it's 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 where we like to talk about the future, but at the mm. same time talking about what's available at the same time. So it's like modern work is how do we take advantage of the features and functionality of the technology that's available today, but is is in the now. Yeah. Um, so when we're talking about modern work, it's how do you work the best you can right now? Yeah. How can we take advantage of the cool, new, powerful uh, features of, of what's happening now with modern workspace, as an example. Yeah, yeah. Also known as digital workspaces or mm -hmm. in, and, and, and digital transformations. Recently, you've done a, a post on your predictions for 2019, and you, you see that uh, the digital transformation would be no longer a buzzword, like you said. Instead, it'll be, you know, about automation uh, and, and, you know, making use of what you the the technology that you've got now yeah exactly and i think i think a lot of this was for some companies digital transformation meant increasing their bandwidth so that they can take advantage of the cloud and then it's like now that you can actually get to it and it's reliable now you're taking advantage of being on the latest and greatest all the time where microsoft is is always releasing new features you you can really start to take advantage of, of, of the technology that's happening with the cloud. And uh, when we start talking about those advantages, and especially from a business advantage perspective, it is those modern interfaces. It's taking advantage of um, AI and taking advantage of machine learning and uh, the scale of the cloud where you can save a ton of money, but it also is it around accelerating business, accelerating communication and taking advantage of big data and analytics so that we can actually see um, in more near real time um, and making decisions based on the best and, and brightest of what's what's available with, with that intelligence. Yeah. So we'll, we'll talk about automation and how, how to use automation and machine learning in, uh, in, in, in an organization. Before that, you know, I just wanted to know a bit more about how you guys use Office 365 at uh, Blizzard Entertainment? Yeah, so um, with Office 365, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting. So it's like you've got your email, and then you've got your um, various different workloads with, say, OneDrive. And one of the ones I think it's kind of uh, exciting that we've, we've been able to take advantage of is the OneDrive On Demand um, and rolling out... Uh, Windows 10 and uh, basically getting the entire company to take advantage of OneDrive on demand and rolling that out via policy. 
so that was that was a powerful thing we did earlier yeah. this year so is this is this part of the microsoft 365 packaged offering i'm guessing am i right essentially essentially so basically our our desktop team um we were able to roll out uh, windows 10 uh, 1709 first um such that everybody can take advantage of 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 OneDrive on demand via policy. So mm -hmm. basically what that does is it allows people to to have OneDrive instead of just syncing all your files and folders and only being able to see the files you sync, it's allowing you to basically connect and now you're seeing all your files as if they're on your desktop, but they get a little cloud next to them. Um and uh you can again still sync the files you want or as you click on them they'll automatically download and they're on demand essentially yeah. Yeah. so you're seeing everything that's in the cloud but on your desktop so if you've got five terabytes on your in your OneDrive, um now you've got the ability to have an extended access to five terabytes on your machine yep yeah. and uh, well, in fact one of the things I, I recently blogged about was the fact that uh, there actually is no longer uh, a limit on OneDrive. a lot of people don't realize that yeah, yeah, including me because I I I only knew that after reading your blog post. Uh, so yeah, I, I always thought that they've increased the limit from I think from uh, one terabyte to twenty five or five terabytes or something like that. Yeah, um, yeah, I so didn't that, know that there's an unlimited storage. And it was order. it was it was kind of interesting how they rolled that out as it was, um, you know the the it was. When I first even got here to Blizzard, it was, oh, you got five terabytes. I was like, oh, cool. They, you know, basically our, our tenant administrator, David, who works for me, he turned it on, set it up to, to give everybody five terabytes. And uh, behind the scenes, Microsoft has basically said, if you have one user who reaches 90% of that five terabytes, you can contact support and they'll increase it so that you can actually have up to 25 terabytes for your users. For no additional cost. For no additional cost. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then basically, if any user again hits ninety percent of the twenty-five terabytes, you can then have that user be given a team site that gives them an additional twenty-five, and what that comes is is a credit to your tenant. Yeah, and it has to be done at per user basis. Oh, at uh, every time a user gets there, there needs to be a support call, or is it is it only for the first? user and it's, then it's automatically a, i'm very anxious to have other people try this but right now yeah. it sounds like it's a support call um yeah you know if it's happening a lot i i i i'm interested to hear how that works but essentially yeah. from everything i'm hearing is uh it's basically they'll, they'll give you a credit for the users that hit that and is this only for OneDrive for business or it does it yeah. actually take other workloads into consideration as well that's all about OneDrive. It's only for OneDrive, yeah. No worries. I'll I'll actually put this uh, link to the blog post around this uh, in my in the, in the show notes for the episode, so people can actually go and check it out and and read about it. It's it's really interesting. Yeah. Cool. And what about other services of Office three six five at Blizzard? Like, um, do you use Microsoft Teams or SharePoint Online, Power Apps, Flow, any any of those stuff? So we recently upgraded our our SharePoint stuff to to off, to take advantage of Office 365. We've been using it, but now we're we're just a, a small handful of the last few things that uh, we're getting into to Office 365. Yeah. 
So I, I see a lot of customers, you know, go on the sim- similar journey as you guys. Uh, you know, they start off with mailbox migrations. They migrate all the mail exchange online to exchange online. And mm-hmm. then for some people, their Office 65 journey stops there purely because there's there's no technical expertise in the organization to deal with uh, the other services. Um, right. And and. And, and some organizations, you know, then go into the other 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 services like, you know, OneDrive for Business is, is a no-brainer to, to, you know, people are so stuck with their network shares and everything and they, they wanted to move away from that and also more so from from mobility aspect of it as well. They, they want to have access to documents, you know, on the move. So right. OneDrive for Business is the next cap of the rank. But after that, like, you know, what what is your recommendation around okay, you've done your exchange online migration, you've done your OneDrive, you're seeing some value as a business, users are, you know, using OneDrive for business. Now what? Now, so, what's next? So I, I do think that there's some some governance that uh, basically, you know, this, this is another one of kind of my things I do is like um, telling people how to set up your information architecture with hubs and then... Uh, setting up your enterprise uh, search such that it takes advantage of the structure that you've built out, taking advantage of user segments based on departments so that you can, and, and taking, take, taking advantage of location data um, so that you can actually do targeting um, from a search perspective, but also fr- from your, your news perspective. So it's, it's starting to take some of that structure, getting those in your term sets, but then also leveraging them from a, from a targeting perspective um, which now the, the news actually can take advantage of that even even out of the box. Um, and uh, being able to use those term sets for your, your profiles. Mm. And, uh, you know, we, we recently have been doing a bunch of investigation there and found found some limitations, but uh, we've, we've, we're definitely pushing that uh, information back to Microsoft to get them to allow us to be able to use some of the, the data that we're pushing into the, to the profiles. Um, yeah. But since it's a, a multi-value um, uh, it, with with using managed metadata, we're we're having some struggles trying to to do targeting based on that, or especially yeah. building the user segments based on that data. Yeah. For certain. So is this is this the the new um, is this when you're trying to use the new page you know the page metadata. Uh, um, with, with, along with the managed metadata, or no, with, it's, it's more them? more around the perspective of user segments in search, okay. um, but also in profile data. There's some stuff that we have in Azure AD that we want to push into our profiles, um, but you're, we're having to write something um, yeah. custom to actually get that data in, um, and uh, we're we're hoping to be able to get Microsoft to actually connect the dots there for everybody sure sure yeah that's excellent um so i i, I do come across uh, you know limitations uh, here and there uh, as part of my implementation implementation projects uh, so what's your recommendation around uh, you know office 365 is an evolving uh, product yeah you so there's limitations everywhere there's limitations around what Microsoft Teams can do the connection limitations around the integration points with, say, Teams and Planner, or, or you know, limitations on, you know, even for example, modern 
UI in SharePoint has some, some limitations, so you have to switch back to the classic experience to do certain things. So yeah. when you come across those limitations, what's your recommendation? Um, would, would you I, say? I feel like we're we're, we're in a we're in an we're in an influx time period where we're kind of in between classic and modern, where some organizations are they feel like they have to hold on to classic because it gives them more flexibility. Mm-hmm. Other organizations they see the future with uh, with modern around. It's much more supportable for, say, responsive UI, and um, uh, it, ultimately, with the SharePoint framework and the and the, what you can actually build with it, it's definitely more of the way you should be. It is the future. It's where you should be building your stuff is with the SharePoint framework um, and Classic. Essentially, even though it gives you more flexibility, it holds you back. So there's there's some of those trade-offs you need to make um, in terms of how you how you build things and how you structure it so that you can build it future-proof. If you're yeah. building something today in a WSP, as an example, you're going to have to rebuild it. Um, yeah, yeah, sorry, definitely. You know, I, I, I don't think there's any in anyone else uh, anyone doing WSPs anymore. But uh, it's like I'll the sandbox people as well. It's like a, <laughs> yeah. sorry, you know, you're 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 headed down a, a path that's no longer an option. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like InfoPath as well. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely yes. have to rebuild that. Yeah. So if you come across some limitations around the SharePoint, it's it's a easy decision, right? Customize yeah. your SharePoint. And I framework. think the best the best way as well is to get involved with the PNP. Mm. The patterns and practice have some great samples for how to build future proof um, solutions. Yeah. And uh, so basically getting part of that community, there's a lot of back and forth where you can kind of see some examples of as an example um you're building stuff around search well there's a great project um that's out there right now on uh, the uh, using react around search and modern modern interfaces for refinement as yeah. an example pnb is, is is such a good resource uh, I've, uh, I've used a lot of powershell scripts and everything from pnp in in my engagements in the last few years so uh, it's it's an amazing helpful resource for for any consultant yeah, to to check out and not just consultants any developers or admins as well. Yeah, that's a good resource. I'll put the link to PMP in in, in the show notes as well. Uh, um, the other thing though is you know the limitations in a SharePoint perspective is fine. You have resources like PMP. You have you know you know custom development frameworks like SharePoint framework and and things like that. But what about you know limitations within let's say Yammer or uh, or planner, for that matter. What do you? How do you deal? How how do you deal with those limitations? Because you know there's no customization option. So is it wait and watch, or just live with the limitations for the? That's a that's a really good one. Uh, in fact, that that definitely strikes close to home. Uh, with Yammer, I feel like the newest web part gives me some flexibility. Um, I like that. You know, you, we've got a new modern. Yammer web part now. Um, I think that's a good start. Um, mm. So I would say start there. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But in terms of customizing Yammer, yeah, that's that's not that's not a road you can. It's it's not a supportable road to go down. Yeah. Um, so I think the lesson there is 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 you know essentially Office 365 has got a lot of apps and services, so not everything is customizable. There are certain elements of Office 365 which can be customized. So use use SharePoint framework for SharePoint related customizations, and there's also Office with five add-in customizations for 
building add-ins and things like that as part of your office clients and Microsoft Teams and so on. But, you know, always look out for, uh, you know, those apps or services which doesn't support customizations. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I definitely agree. <laughs> <laughs> and and do you, are you, are you starting to see, uh, uh, you know, people starting to see any, any, um, Custom applications, not custom applications. I, 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 you know, are you starting to see the usage of Power Platform, the the Power Apps, the Flow, and the Power BI at at Blizzard? Yes, yes, definitely. Um, in fact, with our with our events team, we're doing we're doing quite a bit. Um, yeah, using some good, some good examples and and uh, but yeah, I, I would say just in general terms, we we've we've had some great success with it, um, and internally. Uh, in fact, we're looking at building um, user groups. We've got a showcase site where we can show off internally what where we've found success, and uh, and yeah. we're we're doing kind of office hours um, in the near future where where we'll, we'll be able to have people ask questions and we'll be able to help them and mm. find a way of scaling it such that uh, with both the user group internally where we can talk about things but also with kind of uh, the, a champion style program um, where people can help each other. Yeah, perfect. And, and and also probably, you know, Power Platform could be a good alternate for InfoPath migrations. You know, rather than doing InfoPath migrations as such, you would rebuild the whole app inside Power Platform, I'm guessing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and I would say like, it kind of starts with something simple like forms, and uh, and then we, you know, you're doing uh, more power apps with certain certain departments where it makes sense, and then they gain success, and uh, based on their success, they share that success, and then it's it's building templates or building um, activities such that it's like, how did you do that? Okay, well, we want to take advantage of that, so it's basically mm -hmm. sh sharing that. Yeah. Perfect. Um, so, th thanks for sharing, uh, you know, some of the aspects that you guys are using Office 365 for. Let, let, let's switch to the general Office 365 uh, discussion around, you know, what are the, some of the key strengths of Office 365, according to, in, in your experience? Um, I think it's actually one of the best uh, examples right now of SaaS applications. When you start talking about... Um, a user's ability to take advantage of the cloud. Um, Office 365 is the most popular app, according to the the Okta um, report that comes out every year. Yeah. And when you start to think about what that means, it means that uh, everybody's desktop has this connection to, to Office 365. And from a workload perspective, it does mean, sure, it means email, but but then it's the OneDrive uh, and OneDrive has actually gotten super powerful over the over the the last year. I mean, more has happened in OneDrive than than has happened in most workloads. Yeah. Where you've got the the OneDrive on demand, you've got the protect known folder move set of features, where it can protect you from ransomware, and you've got self service recovery, point in time recovery. Uh, that was that was huge. Um, yeah. And then with SharePoint Online, you've got uh, a ton of stuff that actually rolled out uh, around the the news and the portal functionality and the mega menus and um, so many things there. And and uh, to talk about Teams, man, Teams had a 
ton of release. And I think there's been more energy around teams than anything else. Yeah, uh, I especially never, community uh, wise. I, yeah, I never saw so much user adoption of a Microsoft product. Um, mm-hmm. or like, 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 you know, the Microsoft Teams is getting, um, maybe, maybe during the most time and you know, everybody wanted to jump on this SharePoint 2007 bandwagon. And I think the similar thing, or if not even the bigger adoption of Microsoft is, is happening right under our feet at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. So that's good. Um, and you know, I, I think Office 365 as a SaaS product is a no brainer. It's, you know, I've, I've looked at some of the other competitive uh, products as well. And, and it, it, you know, as a whole offering, you know, I think Office 365, you know, knocks everything out of the park. Good luck trying to keep up. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's difficult. Yes. And especially at the price point. How can you keep up at that price point? It's, it's so affordable. Yeah. You know, we, when we go and talk to different departments and we say, here's all the stuff you get in there. Uh, how much? It's like uh, we already own this. <laughs> they, they're just like, no way! That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Like the stream functionality, as an example, the stream stuff's pretty cool. Yes, uh, yes. Uh, being able to uh, do live events. Absolutely. And I've been talking about. As, as, uh, I'm not sure if you've uh, if you've come across this. I actually started this uh, start of this new year. I've started doing a daily Office 365 vlog, where I talk about. I pick a I pick a topic. For for the week or uh, you know x number of days, and I I, I I keep talking about that. And I've done Microsoft Forms and I've done Microsoft Search. I, at at the moment, I'm talking about Microsoft Stream, and you know this is more so so that I could actually learn the Microsoft Stream for myself and also teach my customers and you know my connections on LinkedIn about the product in in greater detail. So. Uh, I'm I'm learning a lot, and and Microsoft Stream. You're right. It just adds a lot of value to, uh, to the to the to organizations before because you know I've seen some projects before where to put a enterprise video together in using SharePoint. Let's say it's it's very tricky, especially yeah. from a hosting yeah. of video streaming and supporting codecs and things like that. Now Microsoft Stream comes and and just you know, hits everything out of the park and you get a, like a out-of-the-box offering that you never thought you would get. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it, it's, um, it reminds me of the days where we had um, streaming media server yeah. and then we had the Azure media server and then we had um, the, the video uh, Office in Office video. 5 video. And now it seems like all of those technologies are kind of coming together. Um, and what's really cool is you're getting all the transcription stuff. Um, there's the language stuff that's happening, and uh, the point, uh, the face facial re- recognition. Yeah. A lot of these tech coming together with uh, machine learning. It's it's super powerful. Yes. Yeah. And with the search I, on top of that. Yeah, I, I'm seeing a pattern here as well. So, I think Microsoft is is starting to consolidate a lot of their offerings. Uh, feature set and 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 also putting the AI layer on top of them as well. So this this will this will come across across other Office five apps and services. I'm guessing. Definitely, definitely. Cool. Um, so let, let's talk some of uh, let's talk about some of the drawbacks of Office three six five. You know some limitations. You know just generally, what do you think? Uh, where do you think the Office three six five have to improve in the next six months, one year? Um, 
it's a good question. I, I would say, um, well, if we break it down a little bit by by workload, because it's 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 so so, you know, we can talk about things at different levels. But basically, mm. I think with SharePoint, it is going to be more of that classic to modern. There's a bunch of stuff that's kind of like calendars that's kind of left behind. Uh, certain, <laughs> mm -hmm, exactly. Yeah. There's some more of that um, modern list stuff that needs to come across. Um, and uh, and even even just the look of the 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 portal itself, it still looks fairly simple. And our ability mm. to have it branded is is really important. Um, so I think some of that flexibility, without going out of control, we really need to be able to being able to kind of build your corporate brand on it without having to purchase some internet in a box solution just to make it look like yours. Yeah. Yeah. So branding is, is, is it's thanks, thanks for bringing branding. Uh, it, it's a really um, a topic that I'm very close to because I've done a number of, uh, you know, um, master pages and, <laughs> and, and, and whatnot in, in SharePoint on-premises, you know, the branding in Office 365 is, is, you know, there's only so much you can do with branding in Office 365, especially around SharePoint. But again, my, my question is, is yeah, you, you could brand a SharePoint site, you know, but what about the other workloads? You know, mm -hmm. can you make a planner interface or a Microsoft Teams interface? Can you brand those? You can't. Yeah. So from a user experience point of view, when people are actually switching back and forth from these applications, you know, does, does you know, custom branding make sense anymore? This is the question that I'm I'm struggling to answer myself as well. That is a good question, and I think that um, it's it's a, it is a tough one. Um, yeah, because uh, the office team would like to say, well, you don't brand Word, you don't brand PowerPoint, Excel. yeah, Excel, yeah, but but you do want to, you know, when you use a website through a web interface, you are kind of expecting it to have more than just your corporate logo you know you're, you're you're looking for a little bit of a you know that it feels like yours if, if if all your company stuff is that dark mode you want to be able to have dark mode interfaces mm, 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 absolutely and, and and this has to be across the board you can't just allow customers to just brand sharepoint and 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 leave the rest Mm -hmm. So exactly. I would like to see some some sort of branding if they're doing if this if they're going to support branding in 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 greater detail. I think they should support branding across the workloads. And, and, I've, make, and I've heard this from even third parties where they're like, oh, "Open up Office 365 so we can add our self-service, um, self-help type features built into it as well." Yeah, I would say before we even move on from SharePoint, I think that classic versus modern. Obviously, there's a lot more customizations you can do in Classic, but Microsoft's investing a lot in modern. And uh, so even as we look at branding SharePoint, we should really just be thinking about the header and the footer. Mm. Um, and, you know, for particular pages, sure, you can, you know, you can do go to your heart's content. Um, but in terms of the brand, um, there's... I think there's a narrow set of things that we should be doing today in contrast to where things are going with P&P, &P. Um, the patterns and practices. I think that there's there's some really good best practices in terms of what branding could be like with the page extensions um, and with, ex with extensions with the SharePoint framework in modern. Um, 
I think I would be encouraging people more and more to move from classic into modern and then think about branding rather than saying we want branding so we need to use classic Mm. Um, and then i think that that actually helps lead us into where we might go with the next part of your question around well what about everything else since you can't (laughs) yeah there's nothing much you could do eh? about and that's and that's where i think that if if you follow patterns and practices and best practices and you're using SharePoint framework and you're using uh, the extensions, then I think it starts to open up an opportunity of, well, what about the fact that you can st- that uh, the roadmap around Teams, as an example, is starting to support uh, SharePoint pages and also SharePoint framework inside of Teams. And I think that that's where we'll start to see um, more of your ability to do a little bit more. Um, and I think that there's one company I would call out and say that they, they're doing some clever things in terms of um, doing some integration with the other parts of Office 365. And uh, that's, that's Content Panda, who's doing um, some browser extensions to be able to be able to add their controls inside of the other parts of Office 365. Right. Okay. Actually, that's uh, interesting because I've heard about Content Panda uh, while talking to Nate Chamberlain as well. I, I actually personally haven't actually checked out Content Panda myself. Um, probably I need to give it a try. Probably. Uh, yeah, and there's, the there's, a, there's a great trial. In fact, the, the, the trial is kind of a free version even. So I, mm. I think it's um, there's no harm in uh, checking out the, the, that, uh, that free version. Yeah. Yeah, I myself, I'm actually, it's a good point about browser extensions because most of these apps are, are web-based and um, though there are certain tools for, let's say, like um, Microsoft Teams, uh, most of the work is done through the web and browser extensions would really play out well as well. And I heard that um, Microsoft is Edge is also, I'm not sure how much of this is true, but uh, Microsoft Edge is, is going to change their backend the the engine to to chromium um, oh wow yeah yeah probably there'll I've be a lot more extension <laughs> that would be wild <laughs> can you imagine yeah wow. yeah so i think uh, with that change a lot more extensions will come to edge as well for sure uh, yeah yeah i don't even and, want to speculate that sounds crazy i mean it sounds wild <laughs> <laughs> now you and, got and, me wanting to like search the web and see yeah yeah the same thing yeah, it's, I, I don't actually, I don't think it's actually a official um, uh, announcement as such, but I, I've read somewhere on, I think, Windows Central or something, uh, um, or one of those uh, Microsoft. Well, new, I can, I can uh, uh, basically validate what you're saying. There was an article published one month ago um, that says, sign up as an Edge beta tester to try the new Chromium-based version of the browser. <laughs> So yeah. there's also an article that says Microsoft confirms you'll be able to use Chrome extensions in Edge. So apparently yeah. it sounds like a version. Um, uh, so that's cool. that's pretty wild. Yeah, yeah, it's it's. It. But the thing is, it's a. It, it, if you look at it from a different angle, you know, Microsoft is is uh, changing the entire strategy around. Um, their apps and even even like for example Windows Phone and they're pushing out a lot of uh, apps into iOS and Android um, the platforms as well. So for sure, good. for sure, I would say that uh, when we used to say the new Microsoft, when we'd say the new Microsoft, that meant 
the the Microsoft that actually embraces iOS and Android and you know mm-hmm. is it tries to take advantage of the ecosystem rather than just trying to compete um, on every single level. You know, it's uh, yeah. and this may be a great example of some something that you know corporations that where where Chrome is a standard. And then they, they they don't have time to to do testing. You can imagine that this would be something that they would they would want to embrace. It's like, hey, well, if we come up with a standard, it doesn't matter. We don't have to go and try and find Edge and like lock it down. We can actually allow our users to continue to use it. Absolutely, yeah. And and with that attitude, it's also helping out the Office 365 community as well because you're seeing a lot more, um, you, you know, full featured apps coming to. Mac and even even just recently we've seen a release of uh, Mac on you know OneDrive for Business on demand files being available for Mac users as well. Yeah, in fact, um, I've been following that for over a year. <laughs> um, <laughs> big fan of files on demand. I think it was one of the biggest um, biggest reasons to actually deploy Windows 10. Um, as as somebody who loves the new OneDrive and, and how it works and the direction Microsoft's been going as a roadmap, um, I think it's 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 excellent. It actually brings together so many worlds and uh, it's it's probably some of the best direction, I think, that Office 365 has taken in terms of starting with the base, starting with all users, something that everybody can start learning that then integrates them and helps them getting to use the cloud and sees immediate benefits of how it can start to integrate with the desktop and um, and give them an experience where they're actually getting storage in the cloud and very very rich seamless integration yeah yeah um, that's that's pretty good let's switch gears a bit and I wanted to ask you two two more questions uh, Joel and, and and then we can wrap it up uh, one is is around Yammer uh, what what are, what are some of the use cases you see around Yammer and also uh, going forward, especially with Microsoft Teams having this organizational-wide channel, how do you where do you see Amr fit into the uh, into the into your workflow? It's it's an organizational decision. Let's start there. Mm-hmm. I think that there there are definitely large companies where the chat platform um, might be Slack. It might be you know the Cisco platform with like WebEx Teams mm-hmm. and uh, and it's not even just those, uh, that kind of ecosystem where people pick and choose what they use for their team. You know, some teams might be using a group or a team site or um, XYZ platform. Maybe they're even using Box. And so the Microsoft um, ability to say, you can choose your tool, you can decide to use Yammer or Teams. Now, what's interesting is, this, in my mind, does mean Microsoft has two horses in this race. <laughs> and uh, the, the race itself is not just chat. The, the race itself is how do teams work? Do they work in a digital workspace or do they work on kind of a social platform like, like Yammer? And uh, I think that you can compare and contrast these two platforms as much as you'd like. One of them is kind of more... Um, social media like the, your Facebook or your mm-hmm. Twitter. And the other one is more like texting and chatting and you know Slack-like yeah. features in terms of integration with apps and 
um, and all and all that. So it's it's very two different ways of working. And as I see it, somebody who's using an Office 365 tenant, you you could decide to say we're going to use Yammer as our organizational based conversation, um, and we're going to use the Yammer web parts on our um, on our videos and on our um, anytime we put something out where we want richer comments and we want richer dialogue with the employees. Um, and uh, as it relates to, to Teams, obviously there's a lot of uh, um, benefits to being able to use Teams, but but you'd, you'd be surprised, I think, that there are some Teams where they're they're looking for something uh, more traditional or a different type of interface. Yeah. Is there overlap? For sure. For sure there's yeah. some, so, so, some overlap, but it's not 100% either way. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've come across this question recently across in, in, in the tech community and also in, in, in the service adoption um, online course that Microsoft has recently launched on edX. Yeah, it's it, and the thing is, it's, it's good to have that flexibility around, um, you know, where users can use either of the tools to, to, mm -hmm. to get their work done with. But again, the problem with that, with that approach is it's going to create data silos. You know, it, it's going to create like some teams are using teams uh, and some teams are using Yammer and you end up with two different uh, locations where conversations happen and it, for someone to f go and look for information they have to think about you know looking for both areas at the same time I think that it's that's okay for teams when a team decides they want to use this technology or that technology I am actually okay with that I think when an organization's is is confusing and says do whatever you want and you end up with a dozen different things that's where it's 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 really really messy when a department has a mix of 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 both of those the if they're not having you know if all the files end up still ultimately being stored in sharepoint i think that can help bring those worlds together um but mm. where can a conversation live well look in our modern world of just in the consumer world our conversations do exist in facebook and in twitter and for some reason we've kind of been able to figure out ourselves when to use what um at work we we do kind of want to be told to use one or the other it's kind of funny that way yeah. um but 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 i think that that uh the idea that microsoft has two horses in this race um I, th I think some things will get proven out over time, and the things that don't work, just in Microsoft uh, history, they'll, they'll start minimizing those things that that don't work as well. Yeah, yeah, and I think uh, I think the uh, the glue is is the Microsoft uh, new search, which ha which can actually yes. provide a unified search experience across the stream. Yep. It doesn't matter for right. for the teams as long as they have a strategy around it, like, okay, for collaboration between, like, for project work, use Teams, for social, use Yammer. If they if they have certain strategy around it, rather than going a shotgun approach and saying, okay, use whatever you want, you know, put your files in SharePoint, put your files in OneDrive for business, or just create, put your, upload your files in Yammer or whatever, you know. Uh, if, if there is a sort of unified search and uh, backed by AI and machine learning and, and brings the content irrespective of where it's actually stored, I think that will fix some of these issues. Yeah, and, and by the way, there there's definitely something to be said about the longevity that Yammer conversations have. 
you know, mm. the ability for them to be able to stick around a lot longer than uh, your team's conversations, which definitely, you know, they fall off a lot faster. Sure, they're searchable, but I think a lot of that tagging and uh, the idea that the conversation keeps coming back to the top as long as people are still talking about it, um, that 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 helps uh, on the Amher side, where in teams, things aren't coming back up. You know, it's it's things get pushed down because uh, there's there's newer conversations. So what what happened a day or two ago in Teams is ancient history. In Yammer, the thing that happened a month ago, we're still talking about it. You know, Absolutely. there's there's yeah. some different nature to the conversation. Yeah, that's that's a good way to look at it, actually. I, I didn't think through in that sense. Yeah, thanks for that. Yeah, I think it's it's about the longevity of of the actual conversation that's happening as well, and and I think, and I'm I'm wondering if if the conversation can be had at in two locations at the same time. Can we do that? Maybe. Did not. you know you actually can bring Yammer conversations into Teams? <laughs> All right. <laughs> and as well, you when go. you when you create a when you create a group in Office 365, your team, it ultimately should choose one or the other. You know, you should be choosing is it email. You know, with the team inbox, is it Yammer, which you can do both of those, or is it Teams? You know, and the more you bring into your team, yeah, I think it gets a little bit messy. I do think that a team themselves, like a group, um, a group of people should decide where should our conversations live. But at an organizational level, you're producing a video. What's the nature of how you want that conversation to be and how long do you want it to live? Um I think does ultimately mean, do you want to host it in Teams if it's a short-term thing? Or if you want this to live on, like those uh, ask me anything type of things where maybe we want the organization to kind of mull those ideas for a lot longer, you might want to go for something in Yammer. Yeah, yeah. Or at least one thing is for sure, don't use the or, uh, classic news feed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's for sure. News feeds, yeah. Gone. yeah. Yes. So uh, one last question, uh, Joel, is uh, around the community aspect of it. So Office 365, and even for that matter, like, you know, Microsoft 365 is, is evolving very rapidly at a rapid pace. Um, so for for a, a, a IT pro, a consultant, a developer who works in this space, how do they how, what, what's your suggestion of uh, to keep track of things, to learn these new things coming across? Because there's roadmaps, there's tech community, there's blogs, there's you know so many different avenues. So wh- what do you suggest? What is the best uh, approach? Um, these, these days, I think it is important to stay connected with a community. So whether that is an online community, um, Obviously, there's a ton of Facebook groups, but I find that those are kind of mostly just push. You know, there's there's not as much conversations as I'd like to see. Uh, I do think the tech community right now is Microsoft's best thing going in terms of real conversations, real integration with Microsoft, both the community, but also Microsoft experts and all that stuff. Um, and uh, in terms of staying in touch, like it's, it, you know, getting active in your user group. Um, I mean, I think you you mentioned all the right things, but if you're say a developer, I think that uh, you know right now it's the SharePoint framework um, and the PNP. There's a lot, and I'd say get involved in a project, um, get involved in a user group. Yeah. Um, you know, um, and you know, keep keep your mind uh, sharp. You know, there's there's SharePoint Saturdays and community events. 
and I, I would pitch for SPC. You know, that's the super powerful, tons of energy, definitely gets you fired up, those type of events like that. Yeah. I'm always jealous about what you people in USA because um, people like me, my, you know, uh, living far away in Australia and, and other countries, it's it's really hard for us to attend this, um, you know, conferences. I'm, I'm just trying, you know, in my head, I'm just thinking, should I just go to SPC or wait for wait till November and, and go to the Ignite? So which one do you recommend? There, there, there is a little bit of difference. They both do these days have announcements, but I would like to think that um, SharePoint Conference is more on the side of announce a bunch of stuff. Mm. And then the Ignite side of it is see what all was announced and then announce a few more things. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think, you know, going to the conferences just for the announcements, I think it's, uh, it's I don't think is required, especially with this about uh, fast. Yeah, it's about, it's, it's about, about learn and connect, I think. Yeah. yeah, it's networking and also learning as well. Uh, learning not just what's been released because what's really what what's announced won't get released until let's say four, five, six, or even even oh, yeah. even more, right? It's more to more so to learn the best practices and you know what's working for the others and so on. Right. I would say as well, it's like you're going to a session and then you're seeing yeah. speakers and then you're gonna like hang out with those speakers. You know, you're going to go ask your questions. You're going to find them in the expo hall and you're going to find solutions to your problems. There's, there's a dozen reasons why you go. Mm. Mm. Excellent. Thanks. Thanks for uh, taking time, Joel. I think uh, we can just, we can wrap, wrap this up. Um, I've, I've learned definitely a lot, especially, uh, in, you know, the conversation around Yammer and Teams and also a conversation <laughs> around some of the drawbacks and the strengths of Office 365 um, is, is really good. And sure, uh, sure. Th thanks, thanks a lot for your, all the community work uh, that you do uh, and keep doing. <laughs> um, no problem, no problem. Like I said, I'm a, I'm a big fanboy and I've been following you for a long time. So I just want to put it out there. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, that's kind, that's kind. Well, thanks, thanks, thanks for man. taking your time out. Yep, great to chat. Thanks. There you have it. Huh? Uh, I've enjoyed and learned a lot from listening and discussing with Joel about uh, various aspects of Office 365. Hope you've learned something new as well by listening to this episode. If you did, please subscribe to the podcast and uh, I release new episodes every Sunday. So if you subscribe, you'll be the first one to know. This is the sixth episode in the Stories of Modern Work podcast and I have more discussions lined up for you in the next few weeks. And I even have a surprise uh, uh, podcast next week. If you want to join me on the show as a guest to share your thoughts and experiences like Joel, you can connect with me on LinkedIn and let me know that you're interested to come on the show and we'll make it happen. Joel, thanks once again for coming on the podcast and sharing your knowledge and experiences. It, uh, I, can't, I can't say how, uh, how happy I am to have you on the show. That's it for this episode and I'll be back with another one next week. In the meantime, follow me on LinkedIn to check out my daily vlogs on Office 365. Thanks for listening and bye for now.